Hello, Doctor Who fans across the world. Welcome to another Who Corner to Corner podcast. I'm one of your hosts. My name is Paul, and I'm joined, as always, by my super-duper good Whovian friend, Mr. Jeff. How are you, Jeff? I'm very well, thanks. Good to be uh, here again. Well, I'm always going to be yes, here, Yes, it is, I? yes. Again, <laughs> Unless you sack me without telling fine. me. <laughs> that would imply that I'm the boss, and I, I don't have that power, frankly. Yeah. Yeah, everyone knows this is it's a, me. This is a purely mutual thing, 50-50. 75-25. Yeah, okay, we, we won't discuss that in front of the viewers and listeners. Thank you very much. Right, okay, so we've got a very special podcast tonight. So we are going to look at uh, certainly one of my favourite episodes from the Jodie Whittaker slash Chris Chibnall era, which is the episode Can You hear me now this story deals with quite a lot of things mm. um and right at the top of that list is the issue of mental health and this is quite a quite a personal topic for a lot of people uh, i think most of us in our lives have been touched by this in some way so we will we will attempt to be as sensitive as possible um, but it's also a bit of an adventure, kind of scary, supernatural, thriller-style story as well. So we are going to talk about ghosts, demons, goblins, and, um, and immortal demons from the depths of the subconscious. <laughs> did you like that? Was I that did, good? yeah. I'll put a bit of echo yeah, on that yeah, just there you to go. That's yeah, it. amp it up okay. a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, Jeff. So this story, as we said, is um, it's got a lot going on with it i mm. think narratively on the on the surface it's uh it's 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 literally about some kind of supernatural event that un, that reveals itself as the story goes on now we start off in in aleppo which is quite an unusual location in some respects i don't think uh that doctor who has really visited the middle east very much in its history Fact, I can't really recall. Maybe the Crusades in uh, from the first Doctor's yeah. era, but since then, I think this is probably the first time we've been in in that neck of the woods. Yeah, I can't think of any other uh, uh, incidents, you know, of, of going there. No. Incidents, incidents, stories, tales, and uh, and all the rest of it. So anyway, so we get this this pre-credit sequence where we're in Aleppo and. Uh, we have someone who is uh, who's literally running for her life. Yeah, that's She's hear, banging on the door of a, of a hospital, one of the world's earliest hospitals dedicated towards mental health issues. Yeah. And she's banging and banging on this door. We hear footsteps, the ground shaking or something behind her. And she wants to be let in. So, um, so she's eventually let in with some reluctance by whoever's on the other side of it. And she thinks the thing that is chasing her is probably going to get inside if the people within the hospital don't do as she says and they don't believe her they don't they, they're quite respectful of her demons but they don't seem to believe that these things chasing uh tahira i think her name is yeah. they don't seem to think that they're real but of course the tahira they're they're very real and these demons do actually manifest themselves because suddenly we see a massive claw enter from screen left and grab someone by the face yeah. and the next time we visit this hospital literally everybody has bought it 
apart from Tahira. So, and then we get the credits. Yeah. So that's quite um, it's quite a dramatic opening. Yeah, it is, isn't it? It's it's another uh, you know who classic to just kind of go straight in on something that's that's not connected you know to the Doctor or the main characters to mm. you know to set something up. Yeah, and like you said, it's it's quite. Um, you know, it's quite sort of tense this bit. Uh, you know, a bit bit scary. Uh, you know, in a strange uh, you know location that would be quite quite new and mysterious to to a lot of people. Um, and uh, and and then yeah, like you said, those the, the three I think it's three massive claws come round, isn't don't they? And, and yeah, and yeah, literally a, big, long, taloned, yeah. massive claw fingernail yeah. things on the end of it. They look pretty fierce. And you know, that's I'll, for sure. I'll jump jump slightly ahead a little bit here, but I went I went uh, well I'm, I was gonna say I won't spoil anything, Go but for I'm it. assuming if people are listening they've seen the episode. But you know that, <laughs> that bit there was uh you know kind of scary enough. And then when you see the actual creature later, it's horrific. Mm. It's pretty you know, it's like a skull type Thing with a hairy body, and and it and it looked in the big best face, way. Big mouth, yeah, big teeth, and looks big horrible. Eyes and, you know, yeah. look, it looked horrible, and uh, you know, I, it did give me a bit of a jump when I saw it because mm. it was so gross. Um, so I quite like that, really. Um, and I suppose just as we've been, or I've been listening to you talk about the uh, the intro for the episode here, and and obviously the themes within this one, it's a bit. It could be you could see the uh, you know the creature chasing her and and things as you know mm. like the, the old black dog you know that uh, you know scratching at the door oh, yes. that, that sort of thing. Yeah. But of course it, it's been hooed uh, and turned into a horrific monster. Um, maybe nobody else thinks that, but that's that's what I. <laughs> I, I hadn't thought of that, but you're you're absolutely right. I, th- I think that's that that's a that's a really well, good analogy. You know, there, back back so. then in in you know 1380, you know, I'm not mm. an expert. I don't know a huge amount about it, but you know, in Aleppo it was one of the the world's first sort of hospitals for you know for for mental health and and the like, wasn't it? As the doctor says, indeed. And I suppose you know back then people would have had problems and issues like like we do today, but they would have been mm-hmm. so much less understood and you know nobody believes to hear her and <laughs> and then again that's a sort of you know representation of how things would have been probably perceived and taken back then as well if you see what I mean I, I do see what you mean and but in a way what you're saying kind of implies that even now we have a widespread understanding of mental health issues and I would argue that whilst on the whole most of us most of us would like to think we do i think there's still quite a lot of ignorance Mm. around in the world at large and it takes it takes a lot of commitment to try and understand these things at uh, at any reasonable depth and and i I, i'm i'm not even sure i my feeling is is that the journey to understand mental health is 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 an ongoing journey Mm. I, i i don't think it's ever going to be solved yeah, I should, at I all. Should. I think we get closer and closer to mm. the truth of things, and but it's almost like the closer we get to understanding, the the the, the more layers we kind of see. You know, we we so yeah, that that, that that's that's my no opinion. no no. I I think I think, I think you're right. I, I don't I, I don't think at all that um, you know everything is understood now and things are uh, you know solvable at all. I think we're we're probably further along the path of understanding than we were. You know. Yeah, five, six, seven hundred years ago. Um, And I think you're right, as particularly as the world gets faster and scarier and you know busier, you know 
new problems arise all the time and and so mm. you know th- things will will continually develop and change and you know it'll be an area that's never uh, it, it 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 can't be you know resolved you know definitely I, th- I think I think you're absolutely right. So um, we're, we're going to go more into this as we progress through the story because I don't think, they, well, there isn't any getting away from those themes within this because mm. they are so wrapped up in the narrative mm. in, you know, in a kind of uh, literal way, but also in a sort of metaphysical and more figurative way yeah. as well. So it's, you know, to me, that's actually one of the attractions of yeah, the story, is, yeah. the fact that... You know, it could just be a monster who done it, and is the monster real? Is the monster not real? You know, that that that's an interesting dynamic to have through the story. But the fact that that question is kind of made relevant to, you know, to something which has which has been part of humanity since probably our, our you know since our creation, mm. or, <laughs> since creation. I'm not a religious person, but you know, since humanity began. <laughs> probably what I, well, you know, what, what, I, what, what I should say. But you believe, yeah. um, moving on with with the story, then. So we get the obviously we get the credits uh, titles. We learn that this story was co-written actually by by one Charlene James, who's is not a name I'd heard of before. So yeah. a little bit of investigative work has revealed that Charlene um, is a playwright and has written some very very successful plays. And her debut play, which I believe is was 2014, was called Cutting It, focused on two Somali teenage girls living in England um, who had binary perspectives on the practice of uh, female genital mutilation, which is, you know, which which has always been a topic worthy of uh, worthy of discussion. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's not an easy one to look at. And I wouldn't imagine I haven't seen this play, but I wouldn't imagine it's an easy play to to watch either. So, you know, Charlene certainly has no fears when it comes to dealing with, um, you know, some spiky themes, (laughs) some spiky subjects. That's the word, you know. But, you know, the thing is, if we don't learn about these things through through drama or through whatever, chances are most of us would would never hear about them. Or, you know, we might see something like this on the news. And then we forget about it as soon as whatever mm. follows the news come, comes on. So the fact that this you is know, one we have the... these talented people writing this stuff enables us, you know, it sort of opens our eyes and our ears and allows us to, you know, have some kind of, even if just minimal insight into mm. in, into such things. Well, that, And that's one of the, the things with, well, you know, anything, but I, th- I think sci-fi particularly is, you know, to, to be metaphorical and to, to tackle things like this uh, you know, and and putting it kind of you know underneath the the surface image of you know whatever's going on, you know, and and mm. so in a in a way, uh, you know, I think tackling this in in Doctor Who, uh, it, you know, yeah, like you said, this is I think it's a great episode, and it and it felt very fitting, you know, within the Chibnall era, um, to to sort of yeah, you know, go a bit bit deeper and uh, you know a bit more kind of uh, you know. In, into the person, as it were, and thoughts, and mm. do you know what I mean? Um, and also, I just want to say that when I sat down to watch this one again a couple of weeks ago, um, I haven't watched this as much as any of the other Thirteenth um, uh, Doctor episodes, yeah. and that's not because I don't like it or because it's bad, but because actually, I think it's quite um, a tough. Watch isn't the right one, but you've got to be in the right mood for mm. it. Do you know what I mean? Um, because it's quite a, a sort of you know 
sensitive and, and emotional uh, mm. subject matter. And I sat down to watch it, and I was going to make notes like I do for every episode to rewatch. And I fairly quickly put my phone away and didn't bother, and because uh, I was so engrossed in it. Yeah. And uh, I said to to Paul, uh, I said I'm going to have to watch it again, and I, and I managed to do that because of. <laughs> Uh, other stuff things yeah because um, of life but, basically yeah i was in, you know so into it that i i didn't you know i didn't make any notes about it uh, you know i've remembered stuff of course but yeah it, it really got me and drew me in yeah it it, it, it does do that doesn't it i, I think because there there is a really strong mystery and uh, a really strong sense of unease right from right from the very start of it so we have the f- the doctor drops the fan back off in sheffield yeah uh which oh when was the last time they were they were in sheffield jeff we're in season 12 aren't we towards the end of it so okay so they were they were in sheffield in spyfall, in spyfall weren't they? so yeah. it's not like they've been away since before then so um, you know, but it, it kind of feels like um, like a sort of proper return, if you like, because you know the the, the guys all kind of split up and go go back to see yeah. their. Well, Ryan goes to, to see his friend. Well, actually, um, they Yaz goes back home. They've been gone a while, gone. haven't they? Because um, mm. Tebow says he hasn't seen Ryan for for months, and um, Yaz has got to get back to see Sonia, uh, her sister, isn't she? For, for That's yearly. Right. Uh, sort of get get together they have which you you don't know and you know you don't know what it's for initially um Mm. so yeah this is their their first time back isn't it in a while and a chance to kind of reconnect with with friends you know graham goes and plays cards and uh you know has his doctor check up and stuff so there's a couple of um uh quite interesting scenes of the doctor here aren't there we we yes there are look at that one first perhaps so she she leaves leaves the fam, doesn't she? And um, this is when she she thinks, oh, I could just I could just hop forward in time and come straight back, isn't it? That's right. Yeah, yeah. just just go forward to tomorrow lunchtime. She yeah. doesn't want to spend that time on her own. I, mm. I think the way Jodie plays that is is really smart actually, mm. because it's still you know she she plays it with with an element of comedy humour. And it's like, well, they've all gone off, and there's me on me on now, mm. you know. And I'll, uh, what shall I do? You know. Yeah. She has this kind of inter- well, I'd say it's an internal monologue. With most people, it would be internal, but of course, the doctor, it's a very external, yeah. very loud. She, she's you know, talking monologue. to the TARDIS as well, you know. And, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Who am I going to impress now? Yeah, that's it. Because then, then, when she goes to Aleppo, she, she's still acting like they're there, and she, she says, "Oh, that's right." Oh, yeah, good, it, good, it kind good. of carries on, doesn't it? The, yeah. You know, the Doctor, in some ways, well, as we found out with the tenth Doctor, uh, the tenth Doctor actually, the the Doctor on their own is not always a good mm. person to be mm. around. <laughs> yeah. You know, either they're very dangerous or they're completely scattered brain. But um, yes, so we we do have that, and I think actually what what this kind of shows out is is very clearly the Doctor is a loner. Yeah in in the fam you know she's she's not she's not human she might in some ways aspires the wrong word but maybe you know wants to share some of the positive human traits like compassion for example Mm -hmm. i think the doctor aspires towards being compassionate totally fails on more occasions than not to actually achieve it Mm. but i think that's one of the that's one of the key strengths of 13 is that she at least tries attempts and tries to understand you know how to be compassionate and and makes more of an effort than previous incarnations perhaps Mm. Mm. 
and still gets it wrong. You yeah, know, well, you know, you but life's like right. that, isn't it? You know, you, you don't always get things right, and you, you know, you pick yourself up and, and carry on. And yeah, I think um, you know the, these scenes of her here really kind of show the the loneliness of, of the character, and, and, and particularly her, uh, you know, incarnation, and you know, surrounded by the fam, you know, to to create that. Uh, you know that makeshift family and, yeah, and yeah, you know yeah. she, she was you know looking for that you know from the outset and i think as, as things progress and you know we discover more about the timeless child and you know all of that the the loneliness is is more kind of mm. uh you, you know apparent and you, you can kind of understand that need for uh even though it would have been probably subconscious at the time of not knowing everything but that need for you know friends and family yeah. and and uh you know something to you know connect to gallifrey's gone doesn't know you know her true origins so what i say is like you know when when you think about that particular journey i know it's sort of straying off a little bit but it you know it is here we get you know the doctor isn't human she's not part of the human race mm. you know she might look like us but she's not us and you know, up until quite recently, we we thought her home was Gallifrey, and mm. she thought her home was Gallifrey, and you know that that was at least she then had a people to whom she belonged, mm. a civilization and a society. And even though the Doctor kind of ran away from that, uh, decided it you know it, it wasn't for them, wanted to go out and explore way 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 back then. Um, we now find out that actually that's not true mm. either. So, you know, this thing about who is the Doctor, well, you know, from a, from an internalised perspective, it's that, who am I? You know, yeah. when everything I, when I have no family, when I don't, when all my friends have gone, um, when I have literally no one other than the people I try and bring around me, when actually most of the people, you know, are actually trying to kill you or enslave yeah. you or torture you and stuff like that, you know, how can you find a sense of belonging in all of that? Well, and and then you know that it's, that it's, it's plays, an incredible narrative yeah. throughout this part of the Doctor's history, and, and it plays in more, uh, you know, with the beach bit in uh, Legend of the Sea Devils, uh, you know, yeah. and and uh, you know just just being there together in this time, you know, and, and all those things, you know, the Doctor will outlive Yaz and, and every companion, and mm. you know the the Tenth Doctor said. You know, but it becomes that, about that moment then, doesn't it? Yeah. So it's not about what may happen or what has happened. Mm. It's about where we are, where I am right now at this point yeah. in time. That's the bit that really matters. Yeah. Um, and also, the, uh, again, sort of jumping ahead a bit, but the, the Doctor's um, kind of nightmare stuff here is is some of the Timeless Child uh, revelations, isn't it? You know, for being found by Tayoon right. and things. And, and because that's obviously uh, that part of it all is quite fresh uh, information and playing on her mind. So, um, so yeah, the doctor uh, is is investigating, isn't she, in Aleppo to try and find what the the noise is, and she finds Tahira. Well, she there was uh, yeah the um, the weirdy guy. What's his name? Zelin, Zelin kind yeah. of appears in, the he appears in the TARDIS, isn't he? Yeah. She feels it. He, she turns around and mm. he sort of vanishes. Yeah. But he has that a time to just give a little evil smile yeah. to the camera before he disappears in a cloud of uh, nebulous, dusky, mm. smoky. Which is quite interesting, actually, because the, the TARDIS, well, nothing's is supposed supposedly, to get in it. Well, not even the assembled hordes of Genghis yeah, Khan can the, break the, through those the doors. The Kasavin started, do. didn't they? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But clearly, I think what's important there is that for anything that can break through the TARDIS, the, the power it's got to be pretty special. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. That power is off um, the chart. So, yeah. 
So, yeah. And her doctor's quite pleased then, isn't she? Because she has something to do. Mm, yeah. It's a place she can go to. She sort of tracks it. I can't quite remember how, but somehow it leads back to uh, back to Syria, back to Aleppo, back specifically to, to that hospital. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we then go back to, to the fam, don't we? And um, we, we do. You know, kind of follow yeah. their individual journeys. Now, probably the the one thing I'd say about this episode mm. is is often like with a, a lot of episodes, it, it could have done with a little bit more uh, runtime just to be able to sort of explore things, um, mm. you know, in a, in a little bit more detail. And that doesn't mean that you know what we've got at all is is bad, but um, you know, like. Ryan's stuff with Tebow, it, it's all, yeah. it, it's quite delicately handled, I thought. You know, Tebow's been feeling quite down. Mm. He's missed his friend. You know, there's obviously, there's a, there's a lot going on. And, you know, it, it, I mean, it's more common now, but, it, you know, still not that often that you see, uh, you know, guys t- talking, you know, to each other like yeah. that about problems like that. So I, I thought it was very nicely handled, you know, yeah. and, and, and Ryan, um, you know, you know, obviously felt bad and had remorse. He hadn't been there for him, and he and he hadn't mm. seen all of this, and and hadn't been able to help Tebow. And so he's, you know, whilst he plays it kind of, you know, light-hearted, you know, let's play FIFA or whatever it is, and you know, I bought bought chips round, bought chips, I though. bought chips. Um, you know, he's he's there for him, and he and he, he crashes on the yeah. sofa, doesn't he? I think, and you know, so he's he's when he, his friend needs him, even if it is a. I was going to say a bit late. It's not a bit late, but you know, he, he he's you know a, a man of action mm. for it at that moment. Um, yeah, and and you see Tebow. Sorry to uh, to cut you off. To see Tebow then at the end. You know, he's he's gone to a you know a support group of some sort and he's chatting with other guys. And it, w- it would have been nice to see a bit more of that and and explore it. But you know, mm. I, I understand that you know it's a TV show. He's not a principal character. Um, you know, and, and he's had an arc within this episode, and do you know what I mean? I, I think that's yeah, it works and it's enough. I, you know, I, I never really thought of it like that before, actually, because uh, I've never thought that we've really lost anything from from, from, no, from, from no, that I, little I don't story. think so at all. I it think, doesn't. It doesn't feel to me like there's there's anything missing. No, you know, I mean, it we all could works. Sort of on it it, it, it would just more, probably be nice to have to have more really yeah, maybe, to, to maybe, see them yeah. you know, together but yeah you're right nothing's missing and it and it works completely and i you know i understand uh, yeah and, and, yeah. It, and it's quite an interesting relationship they've got because clearly for ryan um tebow is 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 his buddy and it's his kind of home in a way you know when you haven't seen your mate for a while and it's it's like well yeah ryan can go off and have adventures with the doctor and, and everything else but actually home is home and tebow is is part of that mm. and it's the kind of thing you know when you're with your mates there's almost like a routine yeah um you know where where you you are a certain persona right it, it may not be really you but it's it's still part of you you know maybe it's slightly exaggerated maybe a bit more jokey a bit more laddish or whatever or maybe in some ways you're a little bit quieter i don't know it's it's whatever it is and you know the way sort of ryan kind of almost pushes his way into tebow's uh apartment is is in some respects kind of rude and it's it shows in one respect i think how needy ryan is for that sense of normality mm, yeah. which tebow represents and which he thinks at that point can give him so it's like he doesn't actually see even though tebow tells him at the door that it's not a good time you know ryan's like yeah i've got chips though you know and almost pushes his mm. way in because and but he's almost like like he's not acknowledging 
why he's friends with Tebow, why he needs to get in there and play FIFA and eat the chips and do all the rest of it. And I think as that story develops, the, you know, we, we, Ryan comes to understand what exactly he's walked into. Yeah. Not necessarily the consequences that, you know, Tebow's state of mind isn't a direct consequence, I don't think, of Ryan's absence. No. But it's a concept, but it's partly because Ryan hasn't been there that he's 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 kind of progressed you know his conditions progressed as far as it has and you know one of the one of the great one of the great moments i think in you know that makes us realize tebow is is you know is in trouble is when he shuts the door behind ryan and he goes at the locks with you know slightly more attention and detail yeah. than you know we, we would perhaps in our you know in our sort of everyday lives but which which could mean obviously he's trying to keep something out which also it does actually mean he is trying to keep something out because something has got into his nightmares mm. something has crept its way insidiously into the dark places that he sees when his eyes are open but also when his eyes are shut. And that in itself is absolutely terrifying. Yeah. (laughs) Terrifying. But it is, though, isn't it? Right, Because this is, okay, this is now uh, a story about nightmares. You know, again, Tebow tells Ryan that he's been having these weird dreams that are nightmarish. Yeah. And, you know, I'm not going to cover it now, but we, we obviously get to see this. And this is how Zelin makes himself known within this story mm. is through people's nightmares by being a figure of nightmare that weird shadow the man standing at the bottom of yeah. your bed the th- you know the presence in your bedroom that raises the heckles on the back mm. of your spine all those things all those primal fears those subconscious nightmares the terrors he has deliberately made himself into you know, and that's quite extraordinary. Yeah. And this is this is pre watershed, right? This is before yeah. nine o'clock yeah. when it when it yeah. went out over here in the UK. Yeah, it's it's so, a it's a pretty dark uh, theme and, and concept, isn't it? You know, for it really me. is. And we yeah, and we discover yeah. later why he is um, uh, stealing or manufacturing Indeed. nightmares. Don't Indeed, we? we do. We, we yes, can talk more about him later. Um, so we we get to see a bit of Ryan's uh, nightmare here as well, don't we? We do, which is all about everything burning, isn't it? Yeah. It's Tebow burning because he because he wasn't there. Yeah, so well, and to, I took to, it to as stop um, those flames from taking hold because c- you see a drag uh, briefly as well, and and I took it to be a bit about um, uh, you know coming from Orphan Fifty Five burning. Yeah, yeah and yeah. and yeah. Y- you know, um, I mean this. I suppose it wasn't a particularly uh, personal thing to Ryan, but it's an issue that is, you know, affects everyone, of course. And having been through what they went through in Orphan Fifty Five and the discovery there and everything like that, I can kind of see why that's weighing on him. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, our, our nightmares. Yeah. Okay. They are personal, but they're they're unique to all of us. 
some people are concerned more perhaps with the wider world or mm. some people feel more affected by the wider world than they do their personal circle yeah. perhaps you know if your personal circle is, is is a comfortable place then maybe it's what lies beyond it that is a, is, is a source of fear to you perhaps yeah and you know I or suppose... it could be what's you know what does the future hold mm. and again because that orphan 55 is a story about a very very far future earth so what if you know Ryan's fear is that no matter what I do no yeah. matter what my friends do no matter what we achieve in life this is our ultimate fate for for the planet to burn yeah. you know, that it's a very real thing you oh just, yeah no again not know, saying it, it isn't be no kind of, but, you know, but also sort of, from what you've just said there I think you know he's been traveling with the doctor for a while which he he um yeah. is a subject he broaches later with yes isn't it and and uh you know he's seen all sorts of different things and times and, and places mm. and and yeah that that fear about uh, you know missing out on things with his with his friends and his family yeah. and, you know what what might happen to the world and how long he can kind of you know be away from the everyday mm. is, is is obviously on his mind isn't it well this is it because obviously that comes towards the end of the episode yeah. doesn't it when he really starts to kind of question how long he can kind of do this because it's almost like in some ways being with the doctor is is you, you you know, you get the feeling that as a companion, you, you would feel slightly suspended from your own reality, mm. from your life, that you can just go away, have these adventures, blah, 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 blah. And then because the TARDIS is a time machine, can drop you, drop you back exactly where you if it left works. off. But of course, you know, these guys were all, yeah, if it works. Yeah. But of course, these guys were all warned at the start of it by the doctor, you, you won't come back the same person. Yeah. There's no, you may not come back, um, you might not come back, you will not come back the same people that you, you left as mm. and that is brought back into this story and I think actually just just closing on that is this is the first time I think I actually I actually felt that you know I, I felt like the characters because it, it, it kind of puts them right in front of you they yeah. have changed I felt yeah. these characters had changed they had moved on they had developed mm. you know mm. in, in, in certain ways and this is the story that really kind of kind of pulls it up yeah. because this is the last story before Villa Diodati yes. and the end of the season yeah. so it's that you know that that kind of moment now in in the whole sort of series if you like where everything's going to kick off after yeah. this you know yeah th this is yeah this is a really good episode for for seeing how you know the the fam have developed mm. and i'd say the the focus is probably largely uh, on yaz in in this one and and we actually see um you know a huge amount of how she has grown and changed yeah. in in the last couple of years like pre meeting her in the show and and, and to where mm. she is now and then obviously you know in in you know by legend of the sea devils you know she's she's changed again um so w why don't we talk about graham for a minute because graham's bit uh at this point is is sort of fairly um short really isn't it, it's, it you know the yaz uh section takes up more yeah 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 good point so so i mean so graham like you said he's playing cards with his mate mm. and he starts seeing strange um well he, he sees visions of this strange ethereal a, woman trapped woman, in yeah a place. and she's she's saying what did she say? Can you hear help me? me? Help, help me, yeah. Help me, get me out or something like mm. that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and he's kind of weirded out by that because it, it it, then all his mates are like, you're all right, mate, you're mm. right. what's going on? You know, so, hey, yeah, I'm all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. what's the matter with you? Nothing wrong with me, sunshine. Yeah, all that he, kind of he brushes it all off, doesn't he? Yeah. yeah, exactly. And um, 
And then, of course, his nightmare, which which actually we see a bit later on mm. when they're when they're in the ship, is is about his cancer returning. Yeah. So that is a very very real, very personal fear, and obviously quite a quite quite a brave thing for. Doctor Who again to tackle yeah. to address to kind of reference. Obviously, it's been with growing throughout the series, but it hasn't really been mentioned much since you know since we first met Gray. Yeah. It's kind of floated in and out, but it's never you know it's never stayed around. It's never been an issue. It's never been something that the program has tackled head on until now. It becomes you know it. it, it, it this is what we see inside him yeah. this is his fear and it's quite interesting that it's grace it, it was just obviously she was with, his nurse yeah, at the time yeah. but now she's she's a figure of hate towards mm. him you know she she takes a cruel delight in blaming him for for, for forgetting about her or not saving her right yeah. why didn't you save me and he's like oh i, I tried and it, you kind of feel the pain yeah. you know and, and i love it because it, it is an expression of this sort of internalized guilt you know, when someone you love very, very dearly has, is, is no longer around and you feel responsible mm. for them, you know, you feel, well, what if? What if I'd done that? What if I'd done this? And you can't always express those feelings. You can't always find the right words to yeah. say. And if you did, do people actually hear them? Does mm. anybody listen? Can they actually hear you? You know, and it's it's such a hard thing. And, and he, you know, so all their fears... Are, are kind of variations on that theme yeah. in, in ways that are very specific to them. And obviously this is this is very specific to Graham. Yeah. Yeah. The um, uh, Sorry, that was really good. And uh, I now don't know how to follow that. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. No, it's, uh... no but you, you're right. Because it, it got me thinking there briefly, uh, you know, yeah. But obviously, the the final scene in the episode, uh, you know, the, uh, a Graham scene, which, we'll come, which we'll come to, but yes, that that thing of you know people not hearing uh, and the episode being called "Can You Hear Me?" and I I read um, on Twitter some time ago, uh, you know, people saying, "Oh, you know, why, why does uh, Zelen why, why do his fingers come off?" and of, of and they go into the ears and of course blocking the ears so you can't hear. Mm, exactly, and yeah. and I thought, oh yeah, yeah, I didn't, I didn't sort of twig that initially, you know. Um, That's what we do, isn't it? We stick our yeah, fingers, uh, yeah, exactly. In our no, ears no, no, as no, no. So, so yeah, the, all, yeah. all oh, these, all these people who are, um, you know, in in pain and and mm. you know want to uh, talk and and be heard, um, uh, uh, you know, and and want to help, uh, you know, he's he's blocking that, you know, in in these in these yeah. groups, you know, he he, he uh, you know. I guess he he has to do it to two people so they can't hear each other. So, you know, one of them's got a Mm. nightmare that he's he's feeding on and he's blocked their ears so, you know, they can't hear the other person who's doing it to. It's all, you know, it's a bit metaphorical as well, of course. But It it is, yeah. And it's also very literal in some ways as well because the idea of, uh, uh, you know, this this creepy guy in your bedroom with his fingers detaching and floating and Mm. flying towards you, is the stuff of nightmares. Yeah. It's it's kind of Freddy Krueger territory, yeah. isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, you know, maybe not quite as vicious and violent as gory as that, yeah. but nonetheless, it, it it all springs from the same well, I believe. Yes, yeah, that's that's a very good uh, yeah parallel on it. Yeah, it's not so pointy; it's more 
Finger tippy. <laughs> finger tippy. Yeah. But it's interesting that the fingers, you know, it's not the nail side, mm. you know, the tip of your the finger that goes in. It sort of reverses yeah. and plucks in. So the, the, the I'm, I'm trying to demonstrate yeah, Paul's, this, Paul's wiggling his fingers. It, well, I'm trying to detach my shame. finger <laughs> and pop it in my ear so I can show Jeff and our lovely listeners exactly what it is. But it, 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 it again, yeah, it's 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 that multi-layered, you know, highly textured narrative, mm. isn't it, which works on lots of different levels. You know, we've got the very literal sense, uh, a nightmarish finger flying into your ear because it looks disgusting and it's weirdly scary and creepy and you can't take your eyes off it and it's gross. Yeah. But then obviously, yes, there's that, um, you know, there's, there's that uh, metaphorical sense of it as well where it, it becomes uh, sort of representative of people sticking their fingers in their yeah. ears and, you know, deafening themselves deliberately and blah, 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 you know, yeah. all that kind of stuff. So. Sorry, that sounded probably very disrespectful. <laughs> I said blah blah blah, but you you put it no, so well, Jeff. I I can't. No 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 Blah blah blah. Yeah. I can't hear you. But no, but it no, is, it's, right? that's that's what it is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So should we talk about Yaz in this episode? Because oh, yeah. This is yeah. really uh, you know, this Let's this is this is her uh, you know her episode in in many mm. ways. Um, and must just say it's great to see uh, her sister Sonia played by uh, Bavnisha Palmer back in this our good episode. Good friend Bavnisha yeah. Palmer. So um, if you haven't listened to our uh, interview with Bav, um, you can yeah, uh, go back through our podcast and find it. She's lovely, uh, very very positive. Great episode, great chat we had with her. Um, and I'd forgotten actually how how prominent she was in this episode. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. and it was great to see, uh, you know, even, you know, her character, you know, she's been sacked from another job. Um, you know, she, she's at home waiting for, for Yaz to come back. And, you know, there's there's a lot going on there. You know, you, you don't yeah. you don't need to see, you know, off screen stuff with Sonia. But, you know, just by knowing she's lost another job, mm. it, it says quite a bit about the character and her life, I think. You know, and, I and totally agree. you know, yeah. a, a sort of there's a dependency, uh, mm. you know, between the sisters, you know, that, yes, that's you know, definitely, yeah. you know, Yaz, uh, you know, needed her, and and you know, Sonia needs her now, and you know, they don't mm. sort of necessarily articulate it, but you know, they're obviously, uh, you know, important to each other. I really hope we see Sonia uh, yeah. again in the centenary, and, and there's a bit of a, you know, it'd be nice to see her, you know, being able to hold, you know, I was going to say hold down a boyfriend, but there, you know, there was a comment about her. You know, not not keeping a man, wasn't there? I think yeah. in, a, in an earlier episode, and you know, for her to have have a you know a good job now, and and mm. you know, not saying customer service isn't a good job, but you know, her still being in it and having held it down, and you know, finding her her place in the world. So I hope, I hope we get to see that. Yeah, I think that's it. Actually, yeah, her finding her place, mm. and it's almost like at this point we think Yaz is is almost there, isn't she? And I, I got the feeling from watching this that maybe Sonia needed this reunion more so yeah. than Yaz needed it. And yet and yet Yaz did sort of need she it. Did. Well, Yaz says well. we, we don't need to keep, uh, you, yeah. you know, marking this uh, this uh, this anniversary mm. event, you know. Um, but, but yeah, she... she they both do need it to for, for different reasons, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, this this one really kind of, you, you know, showed us Yaz pre the, the mm. Doctor, didn't it? And, and um, you know, th- there's been hints in, in other episodes about her being bullied and things at school as well, isn't there? And, yeah. uh, you know, again, we don't yeah, need to... Yeah, it's kind of been seeded, hasn't it? Yeah. Hasn't it? But we, we, we haven't known the details. No, and, and we don't need to see it, uh, and we don't need to hear it, you know, in, in depth. You know, you, you can kind of... Uh, 
make your own interpretations about why and what and all that kind of mm. thing. But but we know that, that that this has happened to her, and it and it obviously reached a point where, you know, she, she ran away, and you know, what was she going to do? You know, um, mm. and uh, that that's her nightmare, isn't it? From you know from that that time. Yeah, that's it. Know. Yeah, yeah. Well, they, yeah. In for all for everyone who's been who's getting visited by Zelin here, it's three thirty in the morning, mm. isn't it? Yaz is Yaz is asleep on the on the on the sofa. Yeah, she, she said she she would end yeah, up. Yeah, she promised she, she wouldn't, did. and she did. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but she did it nonetheless. And yeah, of course, yeah, she she sees herself on the road across the moors. Um, we we don't quite know what's going on initially, and then gradually, by piece by piece, it's it is almost like jigsaw puzzles, kind of flying into mm. in, in, into sort of connects with each other, and we we start to put this together. And I think you know we we see Sonia, who's there as well as a kind of figure of accusation, um, I think, and then we see the policewoman who seems to reflect that accusatory kind of stare. And again, it's it, as a sort of internal reflection. It's it's like you know when you think if if you when you believe everybody in the world is against you, everybody hates you, everyone's staring at you, you've done something wrong, mm. this is your fault. You know, Sonia in the middle of the road, it's obviously not really Sonia, it's it's Yaz's... Yes, it's her internal... Yeah. You know, it's an internalisation well, from, from how she thinks Sonia yeah. thinks about her But, at but that you moment. know that that is her, Yaz's internal fears because of the fact mm. that Sonia has wanted to keep marking this uh, you know yeah. anniversary and has, has been waiting there that night mm. for Yaz to, to turn up she's 77 minutes late or something isn't she something um, like that. Yeah. yeah you know yeah. You, you know that Sonia is is there for her sister and and so the the thing of you know you're useless and weak mm. isn't her talking at all no you know, that's it's, it but it's, it's nightmare it's, 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 it's Yaz's yeah it? yeah mm, and so it. and of course the policewoman isn't accusing her at all no, actually we find she, out she's actually the very policewoman is kind of helping her yeah she's very supportive isn't she 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 says you yeah. know you might feel like this now but you know things could change in the future and and mm. she makes the deal with her doesn't she i you love know? that deal yeah so so small so and, and simple yeah. yeah 50p you know and and just that little bit uh, you know, at the end when Yaz goes knocks on the door and, and uh, oh. you know, the policewoman immediately <laughs> oh, knows man. it's her and she's, you know, happy. I blooming do remember you. Yeah, happy to see her. But do, do you know what? I, I, a few podcasts ago, because I was kind of listening to our back catalogue because I had nothing else to do, I, there, there was an episode where I, I kind of said to you, I, I, I don't get, I don't often feel emotionally involved with pretty much any Doctor Who story. Right. You know, I, and, and it's it's true, I... I very rarely do. I don't, you know, I'm not one of these people who goes online and says, oh my gosh, I cried at this because I generally don't. You Is that know, because I, I, I don't. you've got a heart of stone? Look, well, you would think so, wasn't it? But, you know, different I can things here, touches Paul, in, in different ways. I can uh, tell you uh, genuinely that I did not cry at Doomsday. I did not cry when Ryan and Graham left. Uh, <laughs> I could go on. <laughs> <laughs> you look, you look so, you look so genuine. But what, what, what I'm going with this, it's very relevant. Is actually one of the things that always does actually get a get a bit of a choke going in the throat, and this weird watery stuff starts to leak mm, out of the corner mm. of my eye when 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 Yaz knocks on the policewoman's door and and, and gives her look. I'm feeling it now, yeah. even talking about it, right? Yeah. And gives her gives her the fifty p. It's just. You know, after everything that we've seen at this point, and and what we've come to understand about Yaz, it is so it's so 
it's so powerful to mm. me anyway you know I, I think that for me personally has has much more emotional reson uh, resonance than the thing we were talking about which was you know the doctor and rose on the beach yeah for me you know and I, i'm not saying you know that's not an emotional moment that just that's the that's the one where i said to you before i don't get it jeff i, I, I didn't no, feel anything this, with that this bit with stone no but you know things but this one you know yeah. this, but hold on but but this you know it's it kind of illustrates for me the reason i think why i i really engage with with this particular era is is because those companion stories, their characters, their humanity, yeah, their very souls, as I've always said before, you know, both on this podcast, on on my Twitter, and everything else, you know, to me they feel more human, mm. and because of that, more relatable. I doesn't, I'm not necessarily saying it makes them better or worse than any others. You know, it's just who they are and how they've been portrayed. For me. I, I engage with that more than the all of the sci-fi nonsense. Yeah. You know, I, I love sci-fi yeah. nonsense. You can see it from the collection behind yeah. me. But you know, to to bring a reality to it, a truth to it that connects at a very human level, to me, gives the sci-fi nonsense much more weight yeah. in its own right and makes me engage with it far, far more. Um, and feels more genuine than if it was literally just the shallow story of the nightmare monster, yeah. which would be great in its own right. But because it's got that, this other stuff, and I feel you know, I feel that kick of emotion when Yaz hands over the fifty mm. p. It just feels real to me, yeah. Jeff. Well, it's, it's, you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I've said this before, uh, probably on the podcast as well. But I think if you if you don't care. Uh, about the characters in something, or, or have a, a and have a connection to them, it doesn't really matter what's blowing up or how big the spaceships are, uh, you know, or the robots or mm. whatever. Yeah, lovely, I, I love all that. But if if I don't care about the people, it, it doesn't really mean anything. Kind of, you know, mm. long term, I, I wouldn't go back to that that stuff. And you know, I, I think you're right. The 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 characters in in this era are they're they're just they're normal people with with problems that are relatable and are, are real and, and human yeah. and they're not all you know the most important person in the universe or you know any of that mm. stuff and and you know i think there'd been a lot of that you know in in recent years of, of the show and that's not a bad thing at all but this change is is different and and fresh mm. and and i think that's why you know it's it's connected with people you know with some people so well um and and you know that that when yaz walks into the mm. to the policewoman's house there you know i wonder what you know i want to know you know what the conversation was and what happened and and you know i'd like to see more of of them you know in in a big finish audio yeah. at some point just every so often yaz goes back and sees her you know and and they catch up on each other's lives and and you know that that bond develops between them mm. um with with yaz um running away and and things what was your um you know in, interpretation of of what she was going to do there because i i thought that it was quite a, a sort of bleak uh uh you know yeah. point there um f for her and and um you know they say she was running away but i'm not sure mm. that that was uh you know a truthful how did you take it how did you read it for me it seemed pretty clear that she was there to kill herself yeah you know i think there was a, there's a definite kind of suicide thought mm. there without it explicitly being so like yeah you know like you said you can it's open to interpretation mm. 
it, the story doesn't tell you definitively one thing or another except that she's running away yeah. so it could just be well I'm running away from home I'm running away from my from the bullies from whatever it is from the source of my pain um but maybe you know the source of her pain is her life as she yeah. feels at that point and you know that that's that that is really dark and and mm. actually looking at Charlene James's um CV you know she those are the subjects she she tackles and well, and, and you know I, I I wouldn't be surprised if that was in her mind perhaps yeah, as I, a possible you know I, when she was I would writing this I think so that that was how I kind of read it and you know kudos again to Chibnall for you know he's he's had a mm. few playwrights uh, you know on the show and has obviously selected people based on the the strength of their work and and then the the topics and themes that that's dealt with that they can bring to an episode you know such as Ella Road you know with with her uh you know strength with fighting kind of queer relationships that, that was brought into Legend of the Sea Devils you know mm. um and yeah that's it he's kind of bringing in those uh, you know people who 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 can write you know the with the, these subjects mm. who can deal with these topics with intelligence maturity and the real skill keep them within the framework of fantasy and yeah. science fiction and beyond that another level doctor who which yes. is its own brand of yeah. science <laughs> yeah, fantasy yeah. weirdness <laughs> yeah. isn't it you know to get all those ingredients working in a sort of 50 minute piece of tv is quite exceptional mm. You know, so um, yeah, it's um, it's it's yeah. So we we kind of at the point which I think is the soul of this particular episode. You know, which is which which is yes, really. We mm-hmm. we you know we, we we get Ryan's kind of fear of everything burning. We see Graham's fear of his cancer returning, and we see. You know, Yaz's fear as something that actually did happen to her. You know, yeah. it's not it's not a future thing. It's no, not a it's, fear of it's what a, might happen. Yeah, fear of it's going a fear back of there. what did happen. Yeah. And the, the, the emotional churn that is mm. still very present within her personality. It's always there. And you know, when when I sort of look at this and I you, you think back to um Spyfall when she gets sucked out and planted in that weird mm. extra dimensional forest. Um you know, when she returns to Earth, she she's you know she's crying yeah right and we don't really know why that is we think okay so she was terrified of, of being in that place and alone and you know no no sign that the doctor was going to rescue her particularly she despite the general hope that she might do but what if within that place you know she kind of went back to the state of mind she was in on the moors that time mm. you know what if you know because these things they never really leave us they're never that far no. away from whatever we surround ourselves with in the future and whatever we think you know what whatever becomes our kind of normality and our comfortable our comforts and our framework these these terrors that we visited earlier in our life then they're, they're never that far away no. and you kind of think you know what what would it take for me to go back to that place a tiny push a big shove mm. Sometimes, you know, it's, I mean, it's different in each case, but it could be a very tiny shove. Yeah. I mean, actually, in Yaz's case, if that was the reason for her crying at that point, then moving, being shunted from one dimension to another, one universe to another, is actually quite a big shove. Yeah. You know, it's, um, again, you know, to have these sort of allegories sort of working their way out through Doctor Who science fantasy is, uh, it's, 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 in, it's intelligent yeah. stuff. And I think it's handled very very yeah sensitively I, I, I think surely so. yeah um so we we end up on um the space 
station, don't we? Which we do. Well, I mean, we haven't mentioned that the doctor's come back because in our podcast she's still in Aleppo at this oh, yes, point. Yes, good point, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but she has come back. She comes back with Tahira, doesn't she? she yeah. She, she has a little adventure there where um, she doesn't... You know, she's, she's wandering around with her Sonic trying to figure out where this monster is that Tahira's sort of telling her about and she can't... You know, there's nothing sort of registering and yet there's a, there's a little hair... You know, some. Oh no, that's right. No, tell a lie. But first, she actually sees the thing, doesn't she? Yeah, she the, finds the, to the hear and she's like, "Come on!" And she's like, "I can't because it's up there." And she looks up, and this thing is stepped it's to the horrible. ceiling, right? Yeah. It's like rah, and it's everything you described. And mm. then they run. It sort of runs after them. There's a feeling in the camera movements. You know, when it when it hits the foot, when it hit, its footsteps hit the ground, everything really shakes. Yeah. They have some really good camera shake technology going on there. Mm. Literally, some guy sort of shaking yeah, a camera, probably, a yeah. post or whatever it is. But <laughs> it's brilliant. You know, because we, we we sort of go from that sort of weird kind of uh, excitement, the the sort of visceral Doctor Who ness of Doctor Who back and forth from that to the you know to 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 the kind of the more subtextual stuff you know the the deeper narratives mm. and it's it's you know I, whenever whenever i see these thoughts these, these things being pulled off in tv drama it's i honestly i'm astonished by it because mm. it's such such a skill to do this and for it to seem so easy yeah. you know for us to be carried along by the excitement of the monster and the kind of mystery element of the, the weird guy with the fingers in in the room, and also the, you know the, the deeper so history much exploration more, of our characters' yeah, fears. So much you more know, going on underneath. It's really yeah. something, and we and we're probably just after halfway through the episode at mm. that point when the Doctor returns, aren't we? So she's had this thing going on, and she's like, "Meet my new friend. This is Tahira." Yeah, and uh, you know she's from Aleppo, and you know the guys being the guys, they just sort of take her on board. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's fine. Yeah. You know, <laughs> she has a little induction to the TARDIS way. Yeah, she always like this. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> So it's like they just, and and that's what I love about these guys. You know, there's no sort of, um, there's no, there's no sort of jealousies. There's no sort of who is this weird person from 1380. You know, it's like yeah, just welcome to the fam. Yeah, you know, you're one of us now. You know, you're 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 the TARDIS. You're the fam. You're the crew. Okay, so they're they're brought to the space station in the future or whatever it was, right? And we get um, we, yeah. we 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 uncover pretty quickly what this thing is. So Graham thinks the woman is trapped, and kind of uh, impresses on the Doctor to set her free. They, they find that she's in this sort of prison type thing between two planets colliding. Yeah, so we get and, a nice and bit of effects. We get bit of incursion. Yes, a bit of that, yeah, which is uh, which is all nice and it looks great. Mm. I, you know, it, it, nice to see some really good special effects going on in this. And of course, she lets her out. Zelin's there as well. Uh, sort of, um, I think he, he traps the guys in in their nightmares. That's yes, when that's... we start to see the deeper layers, isn't it? Mm. About the you know sort of yeah, everything we've been talking about. And and we we yeah we discover a bit more about them, don't we? So you know, they're mm. they're Eternals and you know, gods essentially of some. Type. Well, yes, exactly. Yeah, that's it. It's um, there's that speech that Zelin does, isn't it? Yeah, when the t- when the Doctor's trying to work out all, you know, work out how to to, to let this thing go, and he name checks. Hold on, because I because I wrote is it the this. toy maker. I wrote this down. Wait, 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 wait. That's it. There you go. So he um, he's an immortal. Yes, he likes games. He sees this dimension as a beautiful board. Yeah, and he name checks the Eternals, the Guardians. And then he says the toy maker would approve, yeah. which just sent me into absolute fan hysteria at that point. Because yeah, the immortals in various forms have dogged the Doctor since uh, well, since the Celestial Toy Maker, since you know, since the first Doctor. So yeah. um, they they've always been there.
there. So I love that. And this is where he makes it clear that his he chose this form and his behavior is literally purely to strike fear. That's what he does. And as we find out, the reason he does that is because the the woman who's trapped isn't actually trapped. Well, she is. She's been imprisoned. Mm, um, by someone and else. Actually, she's in prison for a reason, because yeah. she is a terrifying force. And he's been feeding her with the nightmares that he's gathered from his uh, terrible visage. Because why? Because it's fun. Yeah, it's well, a they, game. They, they it had passes a game, the boredom they? of eternity. They, they picked you know, two some, planets. Some people will race yachts to enlightenment. Others will have this power struggle between light and dark. Some will clown around with um, you know, various board games and try logics and what have you. But no, Zelin and his chum want to literally strike fear, suck mm. out the energy from that, and just uh, get loads of people killed in the process. They, they picked two planets, didn't they, to... Uh which which you sort of yeah, learn about in a really nice yeah. nice animation. Pick the two oh, planets to, to yeah. manipulate the the people and the inhabitants and put, put them other. at war. And then eventually they turned on them and trapped her mm. Rakia uh, between them and, and kind of you know pushing the planets into one another with her little tiny cell, uh, you know preventing the uh, you know the collision. Um, so they the Zelen has sort of tricked the doctor really, isn't he? And he and and gets her out, and then you get that really kind of Harry Potter Dementor Voldemort Harry type Potter. image of <laughs> of her in this in that darkened street with her arms out and all the yeah. uh, uh, you know streaks of smoke you know it's going brilliant. into I, her. I love it. Yeah, yeah it's the, I mean the imagery is is super cool. Yeah. You know, the, both of these guys just look fabulous. Yeah, I love all the, the sort of I'm tattoos on his, his yeah, head. Tattoos and, on yeah, tattoos on heads and, yeah, all, all of that. I, I think they... And what's, what's great, actually, which is the kind of underplayed nonsense of it, that they do all this in a Sheffield street. Yeah. Or, you know, an ordinary <laughs> yeah. street. And you kind well, of think, well, you know... A lot of sci-fi dramas would probably up the ante a little mm. bit. They'd have them striding through the di- th- between the skyscraper canyons of New York, yeah. New York, pulling everything down behind them as people scream and get involved in their own yeah. nightmares. But no, not over here, chums. We walk down a street yeah. in Sheffield, it's and it's we can't quiet. afford to do it's that. In the middle of the night, yeah. <laughs> but it's great. But you know what? The thing is, that, again, for me, this sort of brings it home a bit more. Yeah. And okay, you know, it may not be as epic, capital letters, as some of the other stuff, yeah. but it makes it real. It's like it could happen. In yeah. your street exactly you, know, you yeah. look outside you pull the curtains at two o'clock in the morning there's two figures out there you can't quite figure out who they are yeah it could be these guys yeah, pulling could, your it could be out. yeah, yeah. <gasps> love that love that idea it's like it's like waking up what, what is, was it john Pertwee or patrick Trout who said um there's nothing more scary than finding a yeti on your loo something <laughs> like that <laughs> it's it's that but taken a few degrees t- t- further t- away, yeah I think. yeah uh, mind you yeti are pretty scary Pretty fierce looking. I was thought so anyway. Yeah. Anyway, yes, moving on. Right. So um so yeah, we, we, we get that and then the doctor does manage to trick them, doesn't she? Yeah, they, they end up back in um Aleppo and, and uh the doctor tells Ellen, mm. I'm just reading here, he he was wrong about humans creating their own weaknesses and that they are stronger for living through it every day. And that kind of plays back into Yaz's fears from earlier yeah. and, and you know, son dreams on you telling her she's she's weak and useless and mm. things. And then we've we found out that the um, Chagaska are um, they don't attack to hear her because they're a sort of physical manifestation of, mm. of her uh, you know her her fears and her her mental. They are literally her inner demons. Yeah, aren't they? exactly. Yeah, that that you know the the black dog uh, type of symbolism that mm. I mentioned earlier. Um, 
so she summons one of them, doesn't she? Can, and and can, she can control it because she's overcome her fear. Um, and um, and then the doctor sort of puts uh, Zelen's fingers back on them, does it? Doesn't she? That's uh, right. Yeah. yeah. Um, and and then they then they get stuck back in uh, the prison between the two planets to uh, live yeah, with, with both nightmares. Of them this time. Yeah. 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 So you know. They they wanted to be together now they get they get that but with you know eternal torment with all the pain yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that goes with it. and sure they'll break the, their way out at oh, some yes, point at some point because they you know they're immortals yeah. and uh, they'll come hunting the doctor down as immortals tend yeah, to do they, they never do, yeah. quite go away no so w- when that's all wrapped up we we come to uh, the the scene and uh, the in the TARDIS at the end with Graham uh, and the Doctor. Um, I'm sure everyone knows this scene. So Graham uh, opens up and mm-hmm. confides in the Doctor, you know, what his nightmare was and in and his worry about his cancer mm-hmm. returning. Um, and the Doctor says that, uh, you know, she's socially awkward and doesn't really quite know what to say and, and that she'll, you know, have an answer in a moment for him. And she says, you know, I'm just going to go over here and pull some levers and stuff. Um when I first watched it, I, I mm. thought she was, and I still do, uh, sort of d- diffusing the the emotional intensity yeah. of the situation by making sort of not making light of it, but making light with a you know a little joke and things. Um, mm. And obviously, I've seen uh, you know this is the worst episode ever, and all, all the all of the. <laughs> "Quote unquote" discourse about it, um, yeah. and, and but then I've also seen people saying, you know, I I wouldn't know what to say, um, mm. and and um, you, you know, like you said earlier, but you know, sometimes you you can't say anything because do, do people hear you? Can you say the right thing? Or you know, it, it's very difficult, isn't it? So what what's your um, take on that scene? I, I, I'm not outraged by it yeah, at all. No, I'm 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 not outraged. I by I, I think there's there's an honesty to this scene which is which is rarely seen in TV to be honest I mean this is you know when when the whole furor of this part of the story kind of uh, exploded literally within seconds after the episode had aired it's uh, it, it, you know it's I like to think of myself as quite a thick hided person you know I've got a reasonably thick skin you know Twitter and social media can be a bit of a hellhole there's there's no two ways about it but um but you know i this was probably the only time when i just had to i thought the only way i can kind of cope with this is to walk away from mm-hmm. it and not go on social media for a few days because um the discourse was making me feel so angry it was unreal really and it was you know it was actually affecting my mental health i think which is because, ironic isn't it you know it was that's... it was just you know we we had I mean, I'm sure within there there was some reasonable criticism, um, but I, I certainly didn't see it. All, all I saw was a lot of very angry men um, kicking off mm. about you know something they just wanted to kick off about because they just don't like this era of the, the story, yeah. and, and somehow felt that they they were somehow had a right to be experts in something. So it was a scene of extreme honesty. Mm. Um, you know, I, I I I could relate to it, and it's. It's interesting, actually, because I mean, I, I have watched this story quite a few times, and every time that scene comes up, I kind of feel, I feel slightly differently towards it. Always very positively mm. towards it. I've never, I've never watched it and thought, oh, if only the doctor had said something. Well, actually, I, I do think, well, if only do- the doctor had said something else. And that's, um, but only in the sort of way that you know, 
I wish I'd said something else mm. when I've had similar conversations, you know, w- with people. And afterwards, you think, yeah, if I'd have said that, you know, the right thing occurs to you after the yeah. fact, you know, uh, certainly from my experience, you know, I've, I've been in that situation quite a few times yes. when, you know, it's, it's, it's a difficult one because, I mean, it's, when I watched it this last time, a couple of nights ago, I, I actually thought it was quite funny. But you know, you know what I, I thought I initially you know, did as well. You said you it know. diffuses the situation, mm. right? And and it really did, and and it just highlights how how far away the doctor is from actually mm. achieving this aspiration of compassion. You know, the, the tenth doctor certainly did, didn't have it. Mm. The fourth doctor the didn't have it. Didn't the fifth it. doctor was spent most yeah. of his time angry with his companions, and you know, and uh, and the sixth doctor wanted to kill his companions. The seventh doctor manipulated his companions, and so on and so on and so on. You know, the doctor may well have aspired towards being somewhat more human or compassionate or whatever, but it's so far away from it mm. that, as illustrated in this scene. You know, she can't find the right words. She doesn't know how to express. She doesn't know how to empathise with Graham. You know, she her face is so yeah. void of empathy. And, and I, but that's not a, uh, a a mark of cruelty from the doctor. No, it's, absolutely. It's, it's a lack that, of understanding yeah, because uh, you know, again, with obviously it came later. But you know, with the legend of the sea devil stuff, you know, they want to live in this moment, and and the doctor will outlive everyone. The doctor has no no worry about anything. You know, like an illness, because because that's mm. that's not going to affect her, and and also talking about the scene now, and and what mm. we've talked about tonight, you know, the doctor is uh, is is socially awkward, um, and and the, the doctor is is keeping all of the stuff about the timeless child bo- mm. bottled up inside herself, exactly, and, yeah, and she's dealing with her own mm, upsets, and, and Yaz and is, is uh, you know, again perhaps a, a bit later from here, but Yaz is desperate for her to to tell her and to open mm. up and, and she says I, you know I will do I, I promise you we'll, we'll have the beach and we'll, we'll go yeah. to the beach and you know it's not retroactively making this scene uh, you know correct you know quote unquote right because I don't think there's anything wrong with it in the first place but I think that you know as we watch all of this stuff back um, and as we've talked about with other people on, on Twitter there's mm. there's more uh, planning to things I think people might See, because it's it's quite subtle stuff, and oh, it well, it, yeah. it, it, sh- we before, it shouldn't it, be subtle. Well, do you know what it, it no, is? No, no, and that's no, no, the no. way it, it works. Absolutely, you know. can be subtle. Yeah, and this this is how we we've said it before. This is how contemporary thrillers work. It's how you know most characters' motivations and um, you know sort of reasons for their behaviour are layered throughout an ongoing narrative. You know, Broadchurch. Six episodes. Actually, it was three seasons of six mm-hmm. episodes, so it's eighteen series altogether. And, and they're all, you know, there are narrative threads that go throughout all three series of Broadchurch. Yeah, and they're they're you know they're sort of revealed piece by piece. Think, some things some don't need to be paid off, off. Little stuff, you, you know, immediately. It, no, it no, no, absolutely. It, you know, this, this is this is what typifies Chris Chibnall's era of Doctor Who is this kind of very careful, very steady planning. Now, you know, within these things, things happen to the plan. Things that you lay up might not quite work out the way you do. These things, they evolve even despite the planning. But I have no doubt in my mind that there's a structure in place that overarches all of this and that to a, to a greater extent, most of that structure is 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 intact and was realised you know, throughout, the, throughout the whole three series of, uh, of, of Jodie's Doctor. But 
you know, go, going back to, to to this scene, yeah, I I, I don't see it as um, you know, it's, it's not offensive to me at, at all. And you know, if it is to other people, then you know, it, it's 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 fair enough if that's how you feel about it. But for me, it is a very truthful thing, and it kind of, you know, it it, it is so difficult to know what to to say to people when they're when they're going through pain. Mm-hmm. And I and I I've had it when. You know, I, I'm I'm not a very good person at sort of expressing my feelings. You know, like you said to me earlier, Jeff, I'm stone-hearted. I was joking. You know, <laughs> but no, I, I do. You know, I genuinely, and it, you know, it's been with me all my life. You know, I, I generally have always had a problem with, with with empathy. You know, I think you know, right from when I was very small, they, they, and I've never ever known what to say, even as an adult. I think I say that only recently, you know, in the last couple of years or so, have I really kind of got it into my head how to behave when people tell me bad news, mm-hmm. you know, when, when when someone dear to them has, has got terminally ill or, you know, or, or has passed away or, or whatever. And, and it always struck me from an early age that when people say, oh, I'm so sorry to hear that, you know, they, it, I used to think it didn't sound genuine, you know, in, in my head, in my, my little, my little head, it, it never did. And, you know, as I as I sort of grew older, I I really struggled with with finding the words, or or not so much the words, because you kind of know what to say. Possibly, it's I'm sorry and all the rest of it, but it's the how do you say it? Yeah. And I think this, you know, I I mean, I know from experience, this is an issue that a lot of people share. You, you know, it's not it's not that you don't feel sympathy mm. for them. It's just that the 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 empathy perhaps is slightly disconnected in some way and you don't feel like you tr- you can you you tr- it's it's for me personally it's like i don't truly have the right to understand your pain mm. you know i can't possibly put myself in your shoes so how can i possibly empathize yeah. with what you're going through you know it's 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 really tough and i've and and it's only like i said in the last couple of years you know it's not always about understanding or, or trying to feel as they feel, which is what empathy is. It's 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 about the title of of this episode. Mm-hmm. It's about listening yeah. properly. You know, you know, absolutely, truly, one hundred percent listening to someone as they express this to you. You mm-hmm. know, the doctor fails at this, but she does so in an honest way, yeah. as so many of us do. Yeah, I, I think you know, you, but you're right. You you know, he, when you get presented with with. Um, you know, news like like that. You know, bad news or someone opening up. You, you don't always know what to say, and it. You know, it, it can be, um, you, you know, difficult and a bit awkward mm. because obviously somebody wants to talk. But like for me, I suppose my worry is, well, I'd, I'm not mm. qualified to say anything here. Yeah, and, and anything yeah. I do say is 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 going to feel, you know, inconsequential, and and mm. I, and I would want to you know help and to um you know resolve the situation you know and 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 make things better but i, I don't know if i can you know it's it's very difficult yeah that's you it know. you can't always can you and no. you know when people say well if there's anything i can do you know well they might mean it they might not mean it in some ways you know but, it, but maybe you the- know, I, I always used to get the impression that people would say these things just to kind of in a way, keep themselves at a distance. You know, I, I, I realise that's not really true at mm. all, but that's what I used to think until, yeah. you know, quite a recent age. Yeah, p- people say, oh, yeah, if, if I can help. And, yeah, th- there's always that thought, well, they, they probably don't mean it. And I suppose that's a whole other thing is if if, if the situation arose, who, mm. who would actually be there for you? But, you know, again, going back to the title, Can You Hear Me? You know, Graham just wanted to talk. And, and maybe, yeah. you know, sometimes that's enough. 
you know, and and uh, just just to get a response from someone, you know, is, yeah, is to know yeah. they've heard um, you and that they're there for you. Yeah. Um, so look, I'd like to go to uh, some mm. comments uh, from people about the episode. We we thought earlier that we didn't have any, but actually, there's a we got quite treasure few, actually, trove. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll just I'll just go through. There's go about, on, there's Jeff, about thir- got, thirty here, what? so I'll just go through some of them, but. I'm going to start with one from uh, Melvin uh, Pina here, who's at Kittenry. He says, Nina Chakrabarti's illustrated animated segment is one of the wildest Mm. and most inventive visuals of the entire Chibnall era, which is saying something. I love that part, especially. Mm. Um, Yeah, we didn't really talk about that, did we? But it's it's a fabulous piece of storytelling. Thanks, Melvin, for uh, name-checking the the artist there. Uh, Mike Honor, who's at Mike Honor, says, it's such a big concept that I think it could have been a two-parter because some parts felt rushed. I really like the animation in the middle telling the story of the Warring Mm. Planets. Overall, it's a hit for me with each of the companions having interesting character moments. So, so that kind of you know goes back to what I said a bit earlier. You know, could have done with a few more minutes, maybe, but you know, it, it all works. Uh, Possibly, you know, I, but, I, I, yeah, I, I personally I, didn't didn't feel that, but I can. You know, I, I suppose I it's just because I want did, I wanted more, but that, but that's. Uh, <laughs> so. um, now we've got Philip Marsh here at Philip M O. Um, 0421701017 one of my favourite Whitaker episodes thanks to its visual mm. style and nightmarish imagery but the scene between the Doctor and Graham is awful so Philip if you're listening I'd like to know why you felt it was awful and, and you know now we've talked about it I wonder if that might lead to a rewatch and a reappraisal but yeah I'd be interested to find out you know why why he didn't like it why it didn't work for him Um Annie, who's at Annie's Musings On, says, I absolutely love it. I love the way this episode approaches mental health and is also an intriguing sci-fi mm. story. I actually love the Doctor in this and Yaz so much. Um, <clears throat> Woman in a TARDIS, who's at Jodie's TARDIS 13, says, I love this episode because I felt represented by Yaz's mental health struggles and the Doctor's absolute awkwardness when talking to Graham. I could mm. see myself in both characters and instances. So I've got a bit of a theme now on these next couple of tweets so um, the robot of death who's at Graham Ward 68 says the fact the awkward conversation appears in an episode called can you hear me struck Mm. a chord with me it's very personal how it relates to me but touching on this human frailty in a family show was something I appreciated and then Matt Price, who's at Matt underscore the Whovian, says, I don't think it's a bad episode. As someone with social awkwardness and likely neurodiverse traits, I had zero mm. issues with the scene between 13 and Graham. I'd have struggled to find the words just as 13 did. Um, Headdesk, who's at Miss Headdesk, says, It's an excellent story with an important message about mental health. Yaz's story hits so close to home, and the moment she mm-hmm. goes to visit Anita, showing how far she has come, never fails to move me to tears. Um, and then uh, she also says that when Graham talks to the Doctor, she's never seen a more precise representation of her mm-hmm. uh, on, on s- screen. Um this one's quite interesting. Uh, Catherine Komar, who's at Sailor0079, says, Good ep. Uh, my only gripe is I wish they had done something, had done a different scene with the Doctor's nightmare but, uh, because there was so much okay. potential there from everything she'd been through <coughs> in her life. So mm. that's quite interesting. Um, it is, yeah. yeah. Like it's quite blatantly used to sort of further the timeless child and just kind of mm. remind us of it before we get to the end of the series yeah. where it all kicks off a further thing. But yeah. I, I I, think with the Doctor's character, there's, there's, there's license for that within the fiction. You know, I think there's um, it's it's a really good 
um, observation, by the way. I'm, I'm, I'm not putting the tweet down at all, but you know, I think that there are times with something like this when you can just let the fiction do what it wants. You know, keep the characters real, the the human characters. The Doctor, that's the variable. She's the variable that you can kind of mess around with a, li- a little bit. So I've got another one here from Caitlin, who's at Trashy Tardis, uh, and they say, honestly, one of my favourite episodes. Yaz's story really hit home for me uh, specifically, and I love Ep- Aleppo and its history so much. Now, this one is is uh, very interesting. So this is from at yeah. uh, Mocha Quokka. I really love this episode except the final scene with Graham. I'm a cancer survivor and I live with the same fear of it coming back every day. Mm. So, it, so it was really upsetting to basically be told, you don't matter, for the sake of an attempt at humour about the Doctor's social awkwardness. Uh, also upsetting were the people defend in this scene. I'm really socially awkward and yet I never treat a friend with cancer in that way. I try my best to find something to say. Mm. So... You know, like I said earlier, I I can see why some people could could feel upset and and be offended by it, and and I suppose with a, a scene like that and a topic like that, there there is, mm. there, there is almost no a hundred percent, you know, c- correct, uh, you know, way to do it. There's there's always going to be something that 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 will trip it up, um, <clears throat> but you know, to right. to, uh, yeah. to to to. Uh, mocker there you know uh, I appreciate you sharing that with us and, and yeah, um, you know I hope you um, uh, you, you know can understand where we've come from on it and um, you know th- that we uh, you know were defending it uh, and it hasn't gone down badly with you I think it's um, you know it's one of those things where the truth of it comes from your comes from your own experience mm. And how you relate to it, you know, is, is is all down to you know that experience and and how you've been affected by such news. And you know, these these things have have touched all of us in in many different ways. I mean, you know, as as, as you well well know, Jeff, and maybe our our, our readers, our listeners won't won't know so much. You know, my my eldest daughter was um, was diagnosed with a cancer, really rare cancer, when she, when she was a baby. And you know, it, it was very difficult when we used to sort of take her out of the hospital. You know, she had the you know she had this 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 tube on her nose. It was all plastered to the side of her face, and you know she had no hair because she was going through chemotherapy mm-hmm. at like uh, you know sort of one year old. And it, and it was difficult. When, you know, when we sort of she was at Bristol Hospital, and we'd, we'd sort of take her out in a little buggy and sort of go places and, and try and be as normal as possible. And and quite often, you know, I can recall lots of times when people come up and say, and, oh, is she all right? And what's wrong with her? And stuff like that. And and whilst on the one hand, I appreciate the kind of, you know, the empathy and everything mm-hmm. else, on the other hand, I kind of just wanted to smack him in the face a bit because, you know, it, it was almost like, you know, I can't think they it, it it just and again it, it is purely down to my issues maybe and this is another sort of failing that i have with you know with lacking of empathy it's um you know i couldn't understand how they could possibly be genuine mm. with what they were saying because to me it didn't sound genuine it mm. sounded like somebody putting on an act to try and sound genuine you know the tone of voice always sounded the same you know the 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 words used never came across as anything other than platitudes to me anyway Mm. and and that could well be you know my sort of you know this this sort of lack of empathy I had or this misunderstanding of it but also as well you know the sort of frame of mind that I was in at the time you know where you know our whole world as a family being kind of thrown upside down by this and you know it was it, it it was tough to get through, 
and I'm, you know, but it's 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 and it's never it's never that far away. Mm. So for me, when I see something like this treated as honestly, you know, or with the doctor with, with the doctor kind of responding in the way she did, yes, there, there's no easy answer. Um, but I think the worst thing that could have happened at that point would be for the doctor to give Graham a magic pill yeah. that cured the cancer because I think. If they had it done, I'm so glad they didn't do that. You know, regardless of what our feelings, whether we like this 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 bit of the story, we don't. I think if she'd have gone down that road, if that was what had been written, that would have undermined everything that this story well, yeah, set it, out to it achieve. It would have undone, you know, and undermined all of Graham's stuff, and then also. It just, it just well, everything, yeah, yeah, yeah everything. Yeah, it yeah, removes you know, you, any it, element it, it, of danger and and you know, emotion in the show ever again yeah. because... Because there's no doubt that Gallifreyan technology or whatever, you know, that can probably cure cancer and yeah. probably cured it a long time ago. And I, I did see this criticism as well. Well, why didn't the doctor yeah, do I that? that? You know, she could yeah. have done it. And I think that would have... That would have been the worst thing ever. Yeah. You know, this at least whether I think, you know, whether it speaks to you negatively or positively is at least very it, genuine. It's true. And we can yeah. hate the doctor for saying what she did, you know, because it, it, it wasn't right. You know, Graham poured out his soul mm, to mm. that. And she just kind of, you know, um, she, she didn't shrug it off as such. She did, but she didn't. She kind of said, well, look, you know, I've, I, 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 I can't deal with this, you know. I'm yeah. socially awkward. She did make a joke of it, she, but she made a joke of herself, yes, not Graham. Not him, yeah. I think she made yeah. a, you know, she sort of externalised who she is and where she was and the fact that she's so detached. But in a way, I think also to kind of protect herself from having to deal with it, you know, because you know, how, how can she really? Yeah. You know, she's, she, she's always, you know, always the character's always feared, uh, you know, the loss of companions and and you know. The, the thought that it, it will happen again is, uh, mm. you know, not one that the Doctor particularly wants to, uh, you know, entertain. Uh, so I just would like to do a couple more tweets here. So this is uh, from uh, at Felix Fraser. Uh, it's a very thought-provoking episode, chilling in parts. It's great to finally peek behind the curtain of the lives of mm. our regulars and get some depth. Zelin is a fab antagonist and it's shot very well too. As for the controversy of the end scene... Well, there's more to say on that than I can possibly fit or explain in a tweet or ten. <laughs> Suffice to say, it adds to the episode for me rather than detracts and again makes it a riching viewing, richer viewing experience. Remember, not everything worth watching will be easy or comfortable. Mm. Yeah, that's quite right, actually. That's, that's an interesting point. Uh, so mm. Camille McKenzie, who's at Cowbear Creates, says, I love the concept. It looked gorgeous. Creepy finger guy. Mental yes. health issues are a powerful topic, and each person will react to it differently based on their own experiences. Yeah. Great insight to Yaz's past, but my God, that female villain was phoning it in. Really let the ep down. <laughs> no! Oh, I can't disagree more. I thought she was fabulous. <laughs> um, Brilliant. So we've got uh, Matthew, who's phoning at Disciple of Brad here uh, one of the many reasons why series 12 is so good each of the companions given room to shine in their own ways Brian's connection to Orphan 55 ventures into the impacts mm. of, of adventures that Doctor Who doesn't normally get to explore and Zelin is a brilliantly creepy foe uh, then here's a good one uh, Marcus Cotton who's at Sir Jedi Sentinel 
says, probably my favourite episode of the Whitaker era. It's nice to see the Doctor face a proper godlike foe, which hasn't really happened in New Who, uh, because New Who likes to deify the Doctor. Um, and it also has... <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> um, and it also has the most relatable and overhated ending in all of Who. Uh, <laughs> And then our friend Gail writes at Mealy Garage, says, I don't think I've seen it since broadcast, but I quite remember mm. liking it, including the frog bit. It is the one with the frog, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, it. Takes you away, Gail. No, no Gail. Don't worry, not. we won't tell no. anybody. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, and uh, <laughs> a, a special um, <clears throat> shout out to here to uh, at Matt Perg, who uh, posted a couple of photos um on this post of uh, him when he was an extra in the Aleppo scenes, uh, which was quite ah, exciting. Okay. Um, uh, and then there was a good one here from Salty Space Grill. I wouldn't want to watch it in an empty house. <laughs> mm. uh, taps into my fear of a creepy, malign presence watching me in my sleep. The episode is spooky as hell. Uh, uh, but also emotionally touching and brave, tackling the taboo of mental illness, especially Ryan helping Mm. his depressed mate. You know, that's quite an interesting mix there, and and I've, Mm, you know, genuinely read out, uh, you know, the the positives and and negative comments there, and I I think, you know, what I would take away from that is some people really liked it all, some people really liked it but didn't like the ending, some people hated it, some people hated the ending, but the ending is... uh, I, I, I would venture it's it's down to to individual um, and, mm. and personal uh, take on things, um, and, and there is no right or wrong viewing on it. But I, I think I could safely say that they there was no uh, intention to offend or insult with it. Mm. That's what I would say anyway. Yeah, I, I I I would agree with that. You know, I mean, obviously we're all coming it coming to this from the outside as viewers you know so we're all going to experience this you know we, we weren't all involved in the creation mm-hmm. of the of the story at all but you know i mean i you know when you look at the the the, the provenance of this story you know we've got chris chibnall who's the kind of overarching story writer um we've got we've got charlene james who you know who has written a lot around these subjects and you know has, has has won various accolades and awards for you know her work and i yeah. do believe also the scripts was passed to the charity mind i i believe yes I, I don't there know. is something at the end of it of a of the bbc yeah, action they, they line isn't there acknowledge their their sort of i don't know if it's contribution or something was it but it's uh, they acknowledge some input from them to, to, to some degree, you know i i i'll be honest i, I don't know how that sort of looks or how how that happened but i would I kind of assume from that that they had a go at the script to point out mm. anything which perhaps wasn't truthful or would be, you know, perhaps hurtful, harmful, you know, yeah. or, or, or would trigger certain people. But you know, and it's um, and, and clearly they they didn't find anything. But that's not to say that there isn't something in there that's gonna, you know, that is gonna resonate badly with somebody perhaps yeah. you know again it's all personal experience and i think it's a danger to some degree of uh, of a subject like this in a sort of mainstream sci-fi show and yet you know on the other hand if um you know if if our favorite show didn't tackle subjects like this you know if it wasn't brave enough or intelligent enough to do these things then you know perhaps a lot of us wouldn't be wouldn't confront them mm-hmm. you know in in a certain way you know it's it, it's nice you know I, i've quite enjoyed our chat because it's actually yeah, been quite nice to sort of externalize my thoughts about it 
and and how it relates to sort of my inner psychoses and weirdnesses as, and, and you know my experience and you know I'm, I'm quite glad to have that and you know hopefully people have been listening to it yeah, <laughs> yeah it's just quite a long one now because they still might here. have done you know mm. what i mean yeah. But, um, you know, it's fun. And, and I think also, you know, that just to kind of close this, this off, you know, what, what I've felt at the, at the end of this is that at this moment, the fam have really bonded. Yeah. You know, they, they've all through, through sort of undergoing their own sort of personal journeys into the darkest parts of their psyches, sort of come out the other side in, in a way that's brought them closer together. And I don't, and I, and I think this is the closest they're ever going to be before it all kicks off in the next three episodes. Mm, mm. So it's, it's a wonderful, for me, it's a wonderful, wonderful story. I think yeah. there's a, yeah, it's, it's, there's a truth to it. There's an intelligence and a maturity to its subject matter. And it, it handles all of that within the framework of, Doctor Who, and it does so incredibly well, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah, I've I've really enjoyed rewatching this episode and rediscovering it, and uh, and and also really enjoyed talking about it tonight and rereading people's yeah. thoughts on it. It's um, yeah, thanks for sharing those. Yeah, thoughts. thank you, everyone. Like I said earlier, it's, ne- it's the one episode I haven't watched uh, as much as others, purely because, like I said, you've got to be in the kind of right you know frame of mind for it because it's quite dark episode in in a lot of ways but rewatching yeah, it um, you know uh, i thought you know I, yeah i like mm. this one a lot and it, it's it's got a lot to say and i and i'm grateful that you know the show tackled something like this yeah. and open up these these things and that you know yaz had the storyline that she did and well all mm. of them you know I, I i think yeah it's it's a it's a great episode and i and i think that uh you know m- maybe people will come to you know, rediscover it in in the future. Yeah, I I, I hope so. So um, no, it's uh, it's been good. Been yeah. a good chat, o- almost you. like a soul searching chat. Yes, this one. So yeah. uh, <laughs> so um, you'll send me the invoice for for the hundred pound for for your time. Yeah, I'll do that. Yeah. Don't worry. Yeah. Don't worry honestly, what's it like? He's always after my money. This guy, do you know what I mean? Ah, <laughs> oh dear listeners, thank you thank so you much, much for everyone. joining us on this episode. And uh, to those of you who contribute to our Twitter threads, thank you again. Um, join us for our next episode, which is going to be actually i don't know what our next one is no. going to be actually jeff thinking we, we about it that, but, but it's to going to be that, a yeah. lot of fun yeah. that's for sure so <laughs> thanks again listeners and we shall see you see next you time bye